Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. May I suggest to you today that the spirit world is just as real as the physical world. May I, may I suggest to you today that there is a battle that is raging 24-7 and it is a battle for the soul of mankind. The Bible says that Satan's agenda is to steal and to kill and destroy. We need to understand that the devil wants to steal your heart away from God. And he wants to kill your desire to walk with and fellowship and commune with God. And his plan for you is to destroy you. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. He, it is his desire to destroy anything and everything that keeps you in love with your Lord. I believe that we are living in a day when, when powder puff, cotton candy, mamby-pamby Christianity will no longer cut it. I believe that we need to raise up an army of Christian soldiers. I want to tell you, I believe that we're living in a day when it's time to stop playing church. And it's time to stop just coming to church. It is time that we raise up a militant army. It is time that the church, amen, stood forward and came up, amen, and stepped into the plate, amen, and began to fight, amen, the enemy of our soul. We need soldiers that are willing to go to battle. We need soldiers that, that, that are not just playing dress-up and not just playing make-believe. And they're not only soldiers on parade day. I believe we have far too many Christians today that all they do is come to church. All they do is put on their spiritual uniform. All they do is put on their church uniform and they walk into church and they do the church thing and they go away and they're not changed and they're not doing anything, amen, for the cause of Christ and they're doing nothing to combat the battle that is raging today. It's time today that the church steps up to the plate. It's time, friend, that we do something while there's time and opportunity. good soldier needs a cause to fight for. I want to tell you, we have one. We have one. Just as our forefathers fought for our physical independence, friends, so we must fight for our spiritual independence. And we desperately need freedom today. We desperately need freedom from sin. And we desperately need freedom from Satan. And friend, everywhere you look, you can see the hand of the enemy. Everywhere you look, you can see the hand of the devil. He's in the music today. He shows up on television and at the movies. He legislates our laws. He brainwashes our children. He rewrites our history books and takes God out of our school. He anchors our newscast. And he tells us who our heroes are. But friend, we need to recognize him today. He is evil and he's vulgar and he is lewd. 
He is nasty and he is filthy and he is disgusting. He is a liar and he is a thief. And it's time that we expose him today. I don't know if it's still their slogan, but a few years ago, the Marines said they were looking for a few good men. I don't know, maybe they've given up on that. But most of us can remember when the Marines said they were looking for a few good men. You see, they understood that not every man could cut it, but only a few. But they were looking for those few good men. Well, I ask you this morning, where are God's few good men. Where are God's soldiers today? Where are the men and women of God that are willing to stand up and fight? And we do have a cause to fight for. I asked you this morning, who will fight the devil in the battle over your marriage? Is not your marriage worth fighting for? And how about the salvation of your children and your grandchildren? Are they worth fighting for? Let me ask you this morning, are you going to allow the pimp and the pusher and Planned Parenthood have your kids? Are you going to raise the white flag and surrender to this permissive and promiscuous society? Or are you willing to fight? And how about you this morning? How about yourself? Isn't your relationship with God worth fighting for? And by the way, this morning, how is your personal relationship with God? Have you allowed some things to creep back in your life that you once kicked out? Are you involved in some things that you know God is not pleased with? Have you allowed the enemy of your soul to take back some territory in your life that once was conquered? Oh, how is your relationship with God this morning? Where are you in your walk with God? Are you where you one time were? Amen. Are you on fire for Him today? Amen. Are you walking with Him, communing with Him, fellowshipping with Him? How is your relationship with God? Is it worth fighting for? A good soldier needs a cause to fight for. Not only does he need a cause to fight for, he also needs a collection of weapons to fight with. A collection of weapons to fight with. Now, different types of battles determine different types of weapons or demand different types of weapons. Whether the battle takes place on land, whether it takes place on the water, whether it takes place uh, in the air, wherever that it takes place, that and that itself will dictate the type of weapon that is needed and the type of weapon that is demanded. And such is the case with the Christian army. God has equipped his army with a collection of weapons. And in every battle of life, God has provided us with a very strategic weapon to do battle but the problem is most Christians today are not familiar with, nor are they skilled in the use of these weapons. God has given incredible, unbelievable weapons and made them available to us to fight with, but we are not familiar with them. We are not skillful in the use of these weapons. 
You see, a weapon is only as effective as the skill level of the person using it. So let me just quickly this morning point out four of the many weapons that God has given us to fight with. The first weapon that God has given to us to fight with is His Word. His Word. The Bible, God's written Word, is a powerful, powerful weapon. Now the Bible tells us that Satan is a liar. That it is absolutely impossible for the devil to tell the truth. And he constantly lies to us. On the other hand, the Bible says that God cannot lie. That it is impossible for him to lie. And the Bible says that that, that his word, his word is, is truth. I ask you this morning, what do we do when the devil lies to us? How do you do battle with a liar? What weapon would you use to combat a liar? You would use the weapon of truth. Use the weapon of of the word. Use, Use God's truth to combat Satan's lie. When Satan came against Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus used the Word as his weapon of choice. Three times the devil tempted Jesus, and three times Jesus did battle with him, and he did battle with him by using and declaring the Word of the Lord, where he said to the devil, It is written. So friends, when the devil comes at us with with his lies, we need to come back at him with God's truth. The Word of God is truth, and Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. By the way, some of you don't know, but on Wednesday night, we teach the truth of God's Word around here. Obviously, some of you don't know, because I only see you on Sundays, but, 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 but I want you to know that on Wednesday night, amen, we, we teach the truth of the Word of God. Listen, listen, the Word of God is powerful, but it is only powerful if you know it. It is only powerful if you are skillful with it. It is only powerful, amen, if you understand how to use it. So come back on Wednesday night and get plugged into a class and, and be taught systematically the Word of God. Notice another weapon that has been proven. Or that has been provided for us. And that is the weapon of prayer. Now prayer is such a a powerful weapon. And prayer is the pipeline that gets God's power delivered. See, power is one thing, but you've got to have a means, a way, a method. You've got to have a pipeline To get the power from A to Z, from here to there, from him to us. And prayer is the pipeline that gets God's power 
delivered. And God is all-powerful. There's absolutely nothing that God cannot do. But prayer is the pipeline that delivers the power of God to us and to our need. Jesus understood this. That's why Jesus made prayer a priority in his life. He is the son of the living God. But Jesus made prayer a priority in his life when he was on planet Earth. If you'll read the stories of Jesus, if you'll read about his life in the Gospels, you'll see that that, that he never made a major decision in his life but what he got alone with his heavenly father and spent time in prayer. Oh, you'll notice that he never went into a major situation but first of all, amen, he empowered himself by getting alone and infusing power in his life through prayer. Listen, friend, prayerless saints equal powerless saints. I said prayerless saints equal powerless saints. I suggest to you the reason why you are easily defeated by the devil, if indeed you are easily defeated by the devil, is because you have no power. And what you need to understand this morning, you're not going to have any power unless you pray. Because power comes through prayer. Endurance comes through prayer. Prayer, spiritual toughness comes through prayer. Jesus said in Matthew 26 and 41, he said, the Spirit is willing. Oh, the Spirit, oh, the Spirit will volunteer at any time. Oh, hear my Lord, send me. Oh, yes, Lord, I'll go. Oh, yes, Lord, I'll do. Oh, here I am. I'm available. I'm available. Jesus said the Spirit is willing. But he said the flesh week. And many of you, I see you at the altar. Every Sunday morning you answer every altar call. And the evangelist comes and we go out to lunch and he's excited about all the people that came to the altar. I, I, I want to tell him they were here last Sunday. I'm not telling you not to come to the altar, but I'm telling you that many people, that, you know, they come in, they get Oh, they get all churched up, man, get all excited, get all fired up. Man, they're going to do awesome and incredible things for God. And then they go their way, and it's not even a few hours or at least a day or two, and they fall flat on their face, and they have to come back the next Sunday and be pumped up and propped up and, you know, and petted and pampered and prodded and and helped along. What is the problem? The problem is you're never going to have any power in your life to overcome the devil unless you develop a prayer life. How we're charismatic, full gospel. We just want somebody to zap us. Man, we want somebody to lay their hand on us. And all our troubles are over and all our trials. How infuse us with that power, preacher? Problem is, most of the time we're laying empty hands on empty heads. I'd like to see somebody get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'd like to see somebody get sick and tired of the yo-yo roller coaster up and down walking relationship with God. Oh, you come in on Sunday, you get excited, you get pumped up. Oh, you get those goosebumps, man. You get a Shondai or two, and man, you're ready to go, but you don't make it very long. You need a prayer life. You need a prayer life. Amen? Amen? 
Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus said that the way to empower the flesh is to pray. Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He didn't say, watch and pray so you won't be tempted. No, he said, you're going to be tempted, so watch and pray so that when the temptation comes your way, you will have the power to overcome the temptation. May I suggest to you that prayer will do for you what the phone booth did for Clark Kent. It'll turn you into Superman. Let's notice another weapon God has made available to his soldiers, and that is the weapon of praise. Psalm 8 and 2. The New International Version, it renders it this way. You have ordained praise because of your enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. Would you like to shut the mouth of the devil? God's word says that praise will silence the foe and the avenger. In the Mike Benson translation, it renders it like this. Praise will shut the big fat mouth of the devil. You see, Satan knows how powerful this weapon of praise is. He understands, you don't understand how powerful praise is, or otherwise you would be better at it. But the devil understands the power of the weapon of praise, and that's why he works so hard in the church to divide the church over the issue of praise. May I tell you this morning, it might be my last sermon, but it's going to be a good one. The division in the church today, and I'm not talking about the grace place. I'm talking about the church worldwide. The division in the church today over praise and worship is over nothing more than personal preference. It's not a doctrinal issue. Well, the songs they sing today don't have any doctrine in it. Some of the songs they sing today don't have any doctrine in them. Some have a lot of doctrine in them. Ah, the old hymn, oh, theological. Hold the fort. It's theological. I, I thought we were supposed to storm the gates. Yes, some of the greatest songs ever written are in those old melodies and hymns of praise. They are. There's some incredible songs with some incredible words. And then there's some fluff in there. Give me a break. I've sung them all. I know what I'm talking about. I didn't show up yesterday. It's not a doctrinal issue. It's not a spiritual or it's not a scriptural issue. It's not a spiritual issue. It's as carnal as personal preference. It's as immature 
as personal preference. And may I tell you, because some of you don't know, this is not a new issue in the church. This battle has been fought in the church from the beginning of the church. And each new generation has its own style and preference. And each new generation thinks its method is better than the last. I didn't say this generation. I said each new generation. We were a new generation a few years ago. And we kind of wanted to have it our way, too. You're preaching good, man. Hang in there, man. I mean, it might be your last one, but it's going to be a good one. Not a new issue. This battle has been fought in the church from its inception. And each new generation has its own style and preference. And each new generation thinks its method is better than the last. And I won't leave you others out. And each older generation. Each older generation that fought to bring their new style and their new method into being. And took away from their parents their style and their method. Now resist as the new generation now tries to do things their way. And start taking things out of our hands. It's a vicious cycle. And Satan knows how powerful praise is. And so he concentrates on bringing division in this area so that this power will not be manifested. I have a word for us today. And the word for us today is let's stop dividing over what we disagree on. And let's start uniting on what we do agree on. And pastor, does all the different generations, is there anything all the generations can agree on? Yes, yes, yes. What do we agree on? We agree that God is awesome. How many of you older people believe God is awesome? Can I hear you say amen? amen. How many of you younger people believe that God is awesome? Let's agree and let's Focus and let's unite on what we do agree on. And what we do agree on is that God is awesome. What we do agree on is God is holy. God is holy. And what we do agree on is that God is worthy of praise. Let me tell you how worthy God is. God is so worthy of praise that Revelation 14 tells us that there are beings that bow before the throne of God 24-7. They never even pause to take a breath. And day in and day out, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. 
morning, Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God, who was and who is and who is to come. So may I suggest today, it's not whether we sit or stand. I haven't said it in a long time. I used to say it a lot. I'm going to say it again. Church should not be an endurance test. You're not in rebellion if you sit while others stand, unless you're in rebellion. (laughs) But just because you sit when others stand, that doesn't mean you're in rebellion. Maybe you just had knee replacement that week. Maybe you're a little older and you can't stand very long. Hey, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt stand when thou doest worship. Nor does it say thou shalt sit when thou doest worship. It's not whether we sit or stand. It's not about a hymn or a praise chorus. It's not about off a screen or in a book. It's not about whether we dim the lights or we don't dim the lights. not about loud or soft. It's not about electronic or acoustic. It's about the King of kings and it's about the Lord of lords. A lot of people hit and run. I'm just going to hit and stay. So fasten your seatbelt. Turbulence is ahead. Well, we already had some. Hear me this morning. If you can't worship, if you can't worship God out of a hymn book, shame on you. If you can't worship Him with some lights blinking and some drums beating, shame on you. Because it's not about us and our preference. It's not about style. And I'll tell you the style you like. The style you like is the one they were doing when you got in. And I can't wait. I hope I live long enough to see some of the young bucks today bring back some things. They think it's new, but it's old. Not new at all. And I hope God lets me live long enough to see some young people watch the next generation come up and not like what they're doing. <laughs> see how they handle it when they try and take things out of their hands. I've been around a long time. I've been in the Jericho march. I've been in the hooping, the hollering. I've been in all of it. I know those hymns so good, you could just name the, when I was a kid, you could name the page. Men, the deacons kids sat out there on the third row, and we had a contest every Sunday, and it was not named that, it was kind of named that tune, because when the song leader said, turn to page 144, we shall see the king. When he said 150, oh, I want to see him. 134, my sheep know my voice. 
I've been in it all. I've seen it all. I've heard it all. Give me a break. Give me a cotton-picking break. Close to cussing as I get right there. The devil, the enemy of our soul, he he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he knows the value and he knows the power of praise. And so he knows that the only way he can combat the, the, the praise is if he can get you and me and us and them fighting and fussing over the praise so that God is not glorified. time is up and my sermon's not and my timekeeper's not here today <laughs> Woo! the fourth weapon is the name of Jesus and we're going to wrap this up really quick we really are because my wife will be back tomorrow and I will have to give account What I have on my side is her last sermon was 50 minutes. All right, one more weapon God gives us to fight the devil with, and that is the name of Jesus. When David faced the giant Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David said to him, hey, hey, dude, hey, big boy, you, you come to me with natural weapons. You're, you're bringing your spear, your shield, and your sword. You're bringing, is that the best you got? Is that the best you got, big boy? Because I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the name of the God of the armies of Israel. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. So when the devil comes at you, it doesn't matter who he uses. It doesn't matter what method he uses. We can stand against him and we can defeat him by using the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, quickly, our subject today is a good soldier. We're talking about what a good soldier needs. Not only does a good soldier need a cause to fight for and a collection of weapons to fight with, number three, a good soldier also needs a commander to lead them. Let me understand that the success or the failure of a group of soldiers is greatly determined by the commander that leads. Three people agree with that. His wisdom, his knowledge, his experience, the decisions that he makes will greatly determine the outcome of the battle. Do you understand that God has given us godly men and godly women to lead us? Do we understand that we must be very, very careful who we align ourselves with and who we choose to follow? But that being said, our true commander-in-chief is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And he never makes a mistake. Philippians 1 and 6, we are confident in this one thing. What are you confident in, Paul? You're not confident in everything? Well, he said, this one thing I'm very confident in. He said that he who has begun a good work in you is also able to complete it all. Listen, listen to me, friends. God will not only lead you into battle, but he will lead you through. Amen. And he will give you the victory to enjoy on the other side of the battle. I don't know about you this morning, but I skipped, I skipped a few chapters in this book and I went to the last chapter of the book and right there it says, we win. (laughs) 
It might not look like we're winning today. It may not look like you're winning today. But let me tell you, just flip over to the last page of the book and you understand there might be a a difficulty in the battle. We might even lose a battle every once in a while. But we are not going to lose the war because our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, has not only enlisted us in the army, but he's with us in the army. Amen. And he's going to give us the victory when we get on the other side. Amen. Give him praise and glory in his house today. The last thing that a good soldier needs, why don't we get the musicians and singers in place real quickly and real quietly. That is, we need a company. They need a company to unite with. A company to unite with. You see, a single soldier alone, not much of a threat. But a company of soldiers united for a common cause can become unstoppable. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 30 says, One can chase a thousand, but two can put ten thousand to flight. Friend, it is so very, very vital that we unite with the right company. May I just interject this real quickly? There's no perfect company. There's no perfect commander other than Christ. Mistakes will be made along the line. Things will happen. We don't understand, mostly we don't understand because we have limited information. Most of the time when we disagree with the leader's decision, it's because we didn't get all the information. Were we to get all the information that the leader had, we would have made the exact same decision. We need to unite as a company. Unite as a church. Oh, thank God for the unity we've had the last 11 plus years. I pray that it continues until Jesus comes. The devil wants to steal, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy. And he does this many times by causing division, by raising questions, by pointing accusing fingers. Anything to cause division, anything to just mess up even just a little bit, the unity that has been enjoyed. It is so important that we as members of this company unite with the vision of this company. And it's so important that we in this company do our part in helping fulfill the vision of our company. Would you stand with me this morning? We've been talking about four things that a good soldier needs. Thank God for some incredible soldiers the last 238 plus years that fought for the stars and the stripes. May I remind you that this is not a political rally here today. Not a political rally. Not even an American assembly. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as we want men and women to go to battle and fight so we can have the freedoms that we still have in this incredible nation. 
Now you and me today is enlisted soldiers in the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be willing to stand up and fight for what we believe in and for what the Word of God stands for today. I expect to become less and less and less popular. Because right and left we are seeing the church bow to this and bow to that and bow to something else. Though I am more than willing to bow to tradition, bow out of it. I'm willing to change some styles, some methods, some things, some means. I wanted my mom and dad to change things when I was young. And we changed it. But I'm not willing to bow. I'm not willing to yield to the truths of the Word of God. And I'm not even just willing to just stand up for it in private. I'm willing to stand up here and do it in public. And so when I continue to call sin, sin, I'm sure I will get less and less and less popular. My desire is not to be popular with you, although just like anybody else, I like to be liked. I don't like it when people don't like me. But more than ever, I understand the responsibility that I have. One day when I stand before God on Judgment Day and have a greater judgment than you and have to give account to what I said and what I didn't say, I'm going to stand by this moment. I'm not going to stand by your tradition. I'm not going to stand by my tradition. Father, I thank you for the word today. God, your word. Not, not my little sermon, God. Not the Lord. No, no, no. The word of God. The word of God. God, I just pray today you will help us today with your word. Help us today with your word today. God, help us to stand boldly today. Stand boldly. Stand for what is right. Stand for what is moral. Stand for truth. Not for personal preference, but for truth. Give us good soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you already have or you're ready to do it, you're ready or you already have, enlist in the army of the Lord. I want you to come to the front this morning. You already have. Or this morning you're doing it. You are enlisting in God's army today. I want you to come forward. Thank you, Jesus. 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 
Thank you. I understand today might have been a little rough around the edges. That's all right. The mamby-pamby, cotton candy, sugar-coated won't cut it today. Had enough of it. We've had enough of it. Amen? Had enough of it. Time we stepped up. Time we stepped up. Said, I'm in the army of the Lord, and I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to fight for my home, and I'm going to fight for my church. I fight for my children. I'm going to fight for my country. I'm going to fight for morality. Fight for truth. We're in a spiritual warfare. I want you to do some of that right now. Just start fighting right now. Just start fighting. Just start fighting. Just start fighting the enemy right now through prayer. Through prayer. Just start fighting the enemy of your soul. Just start, start fighting the enemy of the... Uh, 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 of, the, of the, the Lord, the enemy of the church, just start fighting him today. If you're spirit-filled, fight him in the spirit. Fight him in the spirit. Fight him in the spirit today. Fight him in the spirit. Come on, somebody fight this morning. Somebody fight this morning. Somebody fight. 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 There's sin in your life. Now's a good time to get it under the blood. Right now's a good time to ask the Lord to forgive you. Right now's a good time to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not just going to get some kind of an experience today and then walk out and not be changed. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm praying the prayer of repentance over this today. Then I'm going to go and I'm going to develop a prayer life. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend some time talking with God and fellowshipping with God. I'm going to empower myself through prayer that I can do combat when the enemy comes against me throughout the week. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. It's your time. Right now, it's your time. 